I'll write down that rabbit hole So reality is questionable Try but you just can't let it go These two right here put on the show It's paranormal overload with southern hospitality Haunted murder mayhem tip while discussing immortality Locations with a dark past History that comes to life Hillbillies with a knack for Everything that goes bump at night Overthinking if you by yourself These two will have you turning on the lights Mixing in a little comedy to make sure it all fits in just right hey. Welcome to Hillbilly Horror Stories Now here's your hosts Jerry and Tracy Paul Heather Dog Ninja Sometimes they're cat Freddy, but never the ferrets. What's good, what's good, what's good? This your boy Marcus Harvey from Ghost Brothers. What's happening, man? This your boy Dalen Spratt from Ghost Brothers. And this is Jawan Mass from the Ghost Brothers. We like to give a big shout out to the Hillbilly Horror Stories. Hillbilly horror stories Where your stories is from a hillbilly And it's kind of horror Cause it's hillbilly horror stories That was terrible, Dalen yeah. I, I tried Tune into the podcast, we up in here Ghost Brothers Hey guys, welcome to episode 339 of Hillbilly Horror Stories I'm Jerry And I'm Tracy Tracy, obviously we want to start off thanking all of our military and civil servants All over the world Thank you for all that you do For all of us each and every day we appreciate you guys so much and always in our prayers. Thank you for watching over us and keeping us safe. We love y'all. All right. You know, it's been an extra busy week for me. I don't know about you, but for me, there's been a, a lot of people reach out this week that are really struggling. I don't know what it is about this week in particular mm -hmm. that's made it that way, but it seems like that uh, at least... At least on this end, it seems like people are struggling a little more than they, they normally do. So uh, I'm just going to ask you to keep people that you associate with, whether it be friends or family, if you know that they struggle, I want you to just keep them in mind and reach out to them. That's always the thing to do. Don't assume they will reach out to you if they need you. Just it's it's feels really good to be checked on. Yeah, it does. And, I mean, honestly, you don't really need a reason to check on people. You should just do it out of the kindness of your heart. And that way it makes them feel really good. That's true. But but I also understand that there's, you know, everybody's got several different acquaintances and you can't just yeah. check on everybody every day. Well, but, that's very true. But very you do true. know the ones that need a little special mm -hmm, attention. Mm -hmm. So, Yes, you guys can uh, contact our group, which are wonderful people. You can contact Jerry Wright anytime you want. And there's also the crisis hotline at 988. You can also text at 741-741. So just know we are here for you guys all the time. And just don't, you know, feel f afraid to reach out because there'll be somebody there that will listen. Absolutely. And I was talking to somebody earlier today. I want to make some clarification on this. The new 988 number, that is a crisis line because the person I spoke to said, you know, there's no place to call if you're having anxiety issues. And that actually is what the 988 number is for now. You, it covers anything from depression to anxiety to uh, just needing somebody to talk to. You don't have to be suicidal to use that number. So it is a little more wide open now as for uh, what they're talking about on there. So I just want people to know that there are options, even if it's just something uh, like anxiety. True story. All right. 
with that being said, we have two special guests tonight. Nice. We have Ghost from the Third Eye podcast. Dang, I thought you was going to say we really had ghosts that were going to come up in here. That would be good. I've tried to pull that off for about seven years. You know, I know you're kind of a slacker on that end of the deal. (laughs) What's going on with that? But uh, Ghost is going to be on, and that's going to be cool. I I actually interviewed uh, him and Shane, and they were on uh, a couple weeks ago Mm -hmm. and uh, from their podcast. And now I got Ghost on separately. Good. How fun will that be? You know, actually, I'm wrong. Oh. I was, I was, no, I mean, I was on their podcast. I didn't have, I know what them. you meant. I was on their podcast. So people were like, I don't remember that. That's because I was on theirs. Yeah. But I got Ghost and then Shane, who is the other half of that duo, I've got coming up in a couple weeks. Good. So Good. That'll be fun. But I also have comedian Lyle Janes. Oh, Lyle. From the Lyle Janes show in Louisville. Lyle's a longtime friend of ours. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was somebody from back when I first started comedy. He, uh, he was there. At the old comedy car- caravan in Louisville, and uh, we buddied up back then. We've done a bunch of stuff together over the years, and he has—he's also in the funeral business, and he has a very cool ghost story about the uh, funeral home that he's in in Louisville. Oh, I can't wait to hear that. So, a little bit of everything in that conversation, but yeah, yeah we're definitely going to talk ghost. Well, we love Lyle. Yes, we do. All right, this week's episode. We're going to talk about some ghost stories and some haunted locations on Cape Cod. Cape Ocado. Cape Ocado. Hey, I just made that up. <laughs> Cape Ocado. The, the talent level Isn't that, that comes out of you. Is just... Didn't it want you to, uh, you wanted Italian food, right? Cape Ocado. <laughs> it's like a dessert. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> All right, Tracy. So tonight, like I said, we're going to discuss these haunted locations in Cape Cod, and for those of you who are not familiar with Cape Cod, it's an area of the southeastern corner of Massachusetts. It's absolutely beautiful there, a nice little coastal beach area, and it attracts some heavy tourism during the summertime. The name Cape Cod was actually coined in 1602. Hang on. And it's the ninth oldest English name place in the United States. That's pretty old. It's pretty old. Now, we said it was in Massachusetts, but we didn't really mention that Cape Cod is like a, uh, it's a peninsula that kind of sticks off the the edge there of Massachusetts into the Atlantic Ocean. It's actually got a couple of islands and stuff there too, so it's it's a pretty cool little place. It's divided into 15 different towns, and several of those towns are made up of multiple villages. So a lot of little smaller Mm -hmm. uh, places there, right there, to kind of everybody's community driven you know what i'm saying i do one of these towns is provincetown and if that name sounds familiar it's probably because that's where one of the seasons of american horror story took place a couple years ago that was the season if you remember it was actually split into two seasons it was the first season was about the vampires that were there in provincetown and the second one uh half of that season was about the uh eisenhower actually going and meeting with the aliens and all that stuff. So I don't know why they decided to do two separate things and split the season in half like that, but they did. Wouldn't wouldn't that great of a season, but it's what it is. Anyways, I thought the vampire part was pretty cool because that was the one where um, if you were like an actor or a singer or something, an entertainer, and you were good at what you did, but you weren't great, you hadn't made it through yet, 
you could go there and you could take a pill and that pill would either make you a super success. It would like put your talents on steroids. Mm -hmm. But if you weren't that good, it actually just turned you into like a homeless vampire. You were a vampire either way. You still had to come back there and drink blood and stuff like that during the summers and all that. But the ones that just didn't really have talent, they were just like roaming the streets and oh, hanging out man. in graveyards and stuff. It's one anyway. extreme to the other. But anyway, that was in Cape Cod. Long way to go just to say that's where it was. Cape Cod is obviously one of the oldest European settled places in the United States. And with that being said, there are plenty of haunted locations. And we're going to touch on a few of those tonight. Three to be exact. Okay. The first place that we're going to discuss is the Dillingham House Bed and Breakfast. That is in Sandwich, Massachusetts. That's an interesting name. Yeah, I would love to eat there. You'd love to eat there? Yeah. I mean, you would think at a place called Sandwich, they probably have some good sandwiches. Well, well, you never know. Probably lots of good seafood, too. Back in 2002, the owner of this bed and breakfast said that, without a doubt, they definitely have a ghost. The bed and breakfast is named for the Dillinghams, who were the, one of the earliest European settlers in Cape Cod. Edward Dillingham was born in 1595, and he died in 1667. And that was his house. It was his house? It was his house. Okay. He was one of the uh, famous ten men from Saugus, is what they called him. Saugus is like a, uh, another little town there. And he, they actually founded Sandwich, those ten men, in 1637. So that's where the town of Sandwich came from. What is ten men? There was ten, There was a, a group of ten men that were known as the ten men of Saugus. Oh. So they were like the... You know, the 10 top people, I guess, oh, at okay. the time. But they're the ones who founded the city of Sandwich, where the house is. The house is believed to have been built. Now, this is tricky. Follow me on this. Because I know you're struggling right now. Well, follow me. I'm on the struggle bus. <laughs> the house is believed to have been built around 1650 by one historian by the names of George Burbank. So he says, he's a historian of the area. He thinks it was built in 1650. But another historian by the name of Russell Lavelle disagrees. He thinks that the house was actually built by Edward's great-grandson. His name was Simeon Dillingham in 1726. And at the time, he had just married Elizabeth Bourne, and this was the house that he built for her. If that's the case, it wasn't even built in Sandwich. It would have been built in Sagamore and then moved to its present location by Simeon's grandson, Branch Dillingham. Did you follow all that? I did follow that. <laughs> so it was either built in 1650 by Mr. Dillingham, or it was built like 70 years later in a different spot by his grandson. I don't know how, how they can't figure that part well, out for this that big of a difference. But I guess when you're looking at... 16, 1700s. Yeah. So, anyway. The house would have been raised to two stories in 1800, if that's the case. Because originally, I guess, it was a one-story house. Uh-huh. Branch committed suicide in 1813. He had remarried and had nine children with his second wife. Busy little beaver. He was. The Dillingham family occupied the house until 1926, and that's when it was purchased by Mr. Hardridge Scholl and his wife, who used it as a summer home. 
1938, the house was sold to Hannah Westcott, who rented it to several different people, including one who used it as a tavern and a roadhouse. Oh, wait. Okay, so it was a bed and breakfast. No, it's a bed and breakfast now. Oh, now. Okay. Now. I thought you, okay. I was like, how did they go from that to a roadhouse? But that's kind of the, where it kind of started being something along mm-hmm. a business. Because it was just, it was just residential before that. Okay. In the 1930s, in the early 40s, the house started to be sarcastically called the Ritz. That's because the local residents started seeing the property as kind of a uh, somewhat seedy place, bad reputation, fist fights were a common occurrence there on a regular basis. So they nicknamed it, obviously, the Ritz, like the Ritz-Carlton or something, <laughs> oh, because yeah. it was kind of a flop house. The Dillingham House is one of the most haunted locations on all of Cape Cod. And there's plenty of speculation about who these ghosts may be, but no one is exactly sure who they are. Some think that it may be the spirit of Branch Dillingham. We mentioned that he committed suicide. He committed suicide by drowning, by the way. Oh, I, what would you... I don't know if it like was in a bathtub, bathtub or, or if it was in a pool. I don't know. Oh. Yeah, we can't even really get the facts together on how when the house was built, let alone get specifics on the on the mm-hmm. uh, stuff like the suicide. But we just know it was by drowning. Others seem to think that it's the spirits of his nine children who were actually orphaned when he committed suicide because his wife died shortly after, like literally just a couple months after he died. From what? It didn't say. Aww. But once once the children were orphaned, there were a lot of times where they were left alone for weeks and months at a time in the house with, I guess, no nobody looking after them. One of the legends here is that if you knock on the walls of the Dillingham house, the children will sometimes knock back. Ghostly apparitions have also been known to appear from time to time. On one occasion, there was a guest staying in one of the children's bedrooms. You know, of course, it was a bed and breakfast, but at one point, it was one of the children's bedrooms. She caught a glimpse of a stern-looking man dressed in Victorian attire. This woman's sister said that she actually woke up one morning on the same visit, and she found herself staring in disbelief at a little girl sitting on the end of her bed. So are you saying all the kids died in the house? No. But they've stayed there for, like, years. Maybe that's just the only place they knew when they came back. In the 1970s, the house remained vacant at various different times. During these times, local residents and neighbors would notice mysterious lights moving throughout the inside of the house. Police logs verify that many years around Halloween time, the security alarms in the house would go off for no apparent reason. During a routine check, one police officer reported seeing a rocking chair through the window gently start rocking on its own accord. Oh, well, I was going to say, they probably didn't think probably too much of it since it was Halloween. Maybe kids pulling pranks or right. stuff like that. When Ryan Griffin bought the house, a friend dropped by for a visit. Her friend brought her dog along. The two of them were sitting at a table drinking a glass of wine in the kitchen. The dog, a beagle, oh, I love beagles, started roaming around the house. It was just checking stuff out, right? Yeah. First time at the house. 
The dog found its way to the back staircase. It looked up at the staircase and immediately started shaking and whimpering while backing away. Oh, no. That he was found the like f- sound. Yeah, he finally saw something. And that was the first encounter that the new owner actually had with a spirit in the house. But it wouldn't be the last. During renovations, strong cooking odors began emanating from that main living room there. That had the original hearth and beehive oven that was constantly uh-huh. used at the beginning of the of the house. Of the but house, it still was there. It was that, still there. It wouldn't oh, use, but it but was that's still so there. Cool. But they were getting a smell like it was being used. Uh-huh. Ryan also said that odors would come from one of the guest rooms that used to be a bar room in the 1930s. Her husband, his name's Gert. Gert. G e r t. G e r t. Yeah. Okay. One time he was standing outside the door of that particular room. He said he was overcome by a strong blast that he could only describe as alcohol breath. Oh, that's yucky. (laughs) Some of her most recent guests have heard phantom footsteps. One guest came in for breakfast the next morning. She came down for breakfast. She told Ryan that children kept sneaking into her dreams the entire night. Children that she didn't know. So she kept having dreams all night of these different kids. Uh-huh. But they weren't kids that she knew. That's very weird. I think that's why a lot of people were assuming that, that it could the, be the kids. the kids. Yeah. Ryan said the spirits do not really bother her because the house flows with positive energy, even when it's empty. So you never really are alone when you're at the Dillingham house, according to her. No, I bet not. Now, I told you that there were um, some police logs and mm-hmm. stuff. I'm going to read you word for word a police report that was taken by an officer about Ooh, the house. can't wait to hear this. All right, here it goes. You know my reading's horrible, so we'll get through it. It says, due to the increase of suspicious things that have, have been happening at the Dillingham house on Main Street, this white paper report has been done. For those of you that do not know it, this particular house is presently lived in, but is usually vacant by the owners during the week. It has been reported that a particular spirit inhabits the place. It is hoped that this white paper report will put these suspicions to rest. The following is a list of things that will help dispel these rumors. First of all, the house has a perimeter alarm and a motion detector alarm installed by the associated alarms. As of late, the motion detector has been activated by unknown factors in the house. The perimeter alarm has remained intact. On one occasion, the motion detector was turned off and it still rang. Mysterious lights have been reported in the upstairs bedrooms described as flashlights. Upon arrival of the cruisers, the house has been in darkness. The alarm company has readjusted the alarm to minimum and still something inside the house has activated them. Within the last couple of days, the alarm company and one of the officers, after unlocking the back door, couldn't open it for a few minutes. A little later, it opened with little effort. Last night, one of the uh, officers found the back door unlocked. The alarm did not activate. The officer then turned on the kitchen light and tried to turn on the lights in the rest of the house, but failed. When he exited the house to get his flashlight, he returned to find that someone or something had turned the kitchen light off and turned the one in the living room on. 
Since this is the last reported case of mysterious happenings, we feel that there is no truth to the rumor that the house is haunted. It sure doesn't sound that way. Yeah. Some of the things can be explained, but as of this writing, we have not been able to find anyone to explain them to us. It's been noted that over the years, there has been an increase in activity in the house during the month of October, particularly when it gets close to All Souls Day, or commonly called Halloween. It is highly recommended that any officer entering this house act according to his or her feelings. In other words, if you feel like running, please do so. Screaming will also be allowed. It is requested, however, that upon exiting the house, you at least slow down long enough to open a door and not go through it. <laughs> of course, to cover all bases, a follow-up report will follow this report with instructions as to what to do if you indeed encounter a spirit, spook, ghost, or whatever. For now, rest easy. I didn't know. I mean, I guess I never thought about a ghost could trigger an alarm. Well, I mean, it's an electronic device, so they can kind of, just like the other electronic devices that they can kind of mess with. I guess so. But I was thinking, I guess I was thinking more as walking in front of or something like that. Right. Yeah, it might not pick that up. It, I don't know. Wow, that's interesting. There's been a lot of lot of different stories we've covered, though, with alarms going off in mm -hmm. houses. Mm-hmm. So. All well, right, Tracy. That's cool if they're in there, you know, still trying to protect the house and stuff. If that's what they're doing, that might just be raising havoc on police <laughs> <laughs> or playing tricks on local residents or something. Yeah, that's fun, too. All right, Tracy, let's talk about our next location, the Wood Duck Inn. Oh, boy. Quack, quack. <laughs> it's just a few miles from the Bourne Bridge, B-O-U-R-N-E, which is a, a person that at one time lived there, a famous, uh, not a famous, but uh, a well-known local resident. And it's in the peaceful little village of Catamet. I can't wait to tell you about the Wood Duck Inn. I can't wait to it's hear It's just fun it. to say. Wood Duck Inn. It was built in 1848, and I don't know if they still had these dogs, but it used to be that the inn had these two huge Tibetan Mastiffs. Oh, man, those things are cool. They were like the oh inn's mascot, so when you showed up... You knew it. Yeah, yeah. And they, they, were, like, they, oh. were, they came out with the, with the owners to oh greet you. Oh, my gosh. You. Those are the coolest dogs. That article that I read about that was about 20 years old. But the dogs were at the end then, and they were male and female. So it is possible that, you know, they still have dogs there. Might not be the exact same dogs. From 1800s? No. the From 20 years ago. Oh, well, you said the same dog. I said the house was built in the 1840s, and the dogs... Are like their thing now, and but the article I read was twenty years ago. Yeah, they're dead, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> but they might have had puppies. That's true. So now, see, that would be that would be really great though, for real, to have that. You know, the dogs carry on. Anyways, stop looking at me. For what is for what it's worth, the dogs kind of had free reign of the place. Well, nobody was there, but when people were, were staying there, they would keep them like in a back room or something. So yeah. You didn't have to worry about the dogs pouncing all over you whenever you were. I mean, they're, they're adorable, but they're also scary. They're so huge. They are big. 
the great room here is filled with antiques and the living room is a lot more of a cozy feel with a huge brick hearth fireplace. Very comfy. The inn sits on a bluff overlooking cranberry bogs on the Cape. Cranberry bogs. Yeah. Just a thing full of cranberries growing? Yeah. You know how they, they grow? They grow like in water. Oh, I didn't realize. Oh, that's right. When the people had the waders on, that yeah. commercial. Yeah. When they're out there. Oh. Anyway, this is a top of the line establishment. This isn't like a cheap place to stay. So it's a, it's a pretty cool place. They have three big name suites. They have the treetop suite, the cottage room, and the romantic garden suite. All three of these suites have private baths. Ooh, so if you stay there and you want a private bath, you can stay in yeah. one of those. Of the three, if you want to see a ghost, you want to stay in the garden suite. It's the most romantic and the best shot of seeing a ghost. So can't go wrong there. The ghost here is Miss Wade. Now, Miss Wade was a friendly elderly woman who lived in this house back before it was transformed into an inn. It was just a residence. She supposedly died in the room that is now the garden suite. Don Champagne, that's the name of the owner. Nice. She was the first to have an experience with Miss Wade. She would often get these strange, queasy feelings, especially when she was carrying something down the stairs away from the garden suite. She began to think that a ghostly presence had to be responsible. Why would she feel that way? Don wasn't exactly certain how to deal with the situation, so she actually consulted a woman at her workplace who claimed to have experiences with spirits. The woman suggested that Don talk to the spirit and explain to her that, hey, I moved in here and I'm just seeking a friendly coexistence. Fair enough. Yep. Don took the advice and ever since she said she felt comfortable in the garden suite, even when she was all alone. Others, though, haven't had as much luck. Guests have reported peculiar things happening to them. Two guests from Pennsylvania who actually stayed in the suite woke up in the middle of the night to the sounds of someone playing with spoons. <laughs> the noise was so loud that one of the guests got out of her bed. She left the bedroom and she went to sleep in another part of the suite that has a day bed in it. Two other couples reported hearing loud clanking and banging noises while they were staying there. So very similar. The most memorable event, though, involved Dawn's wedding day to her husband, Phil. Tinja <laughs> is so loud, I apologize. <laughs> anyway, it's her wedding day. It was the last day of September. I wonder who else got married the last day of September. I don't know. wonder who. Penny <laughs> Bunny. <laughs> they closed the inn... For the weekend, right? Uh -huh. So they're not allowed any guests. Why? Because they wanted to bring all their family and friends in and put them in, in the their, rooms. In the rooms. Mm -hmm. That's nice. Yeah. So they had all the relatives kind of jammed into the place. Don's brother and wife actually stayed in part of the garden suite. And Don's other brother, Jeff, was staying in the other part of the suite where the day bed was. Remember we said the yes. lady got out and went to the day bed part. So it's like basically two rooms. He stayed in part and uh, her brother and wife stayed in the other part. When Jeff went to bed that night, he kind of wanted to see the outdoor wedding tent because they had it set up with these uh, lights 
Uh, I guess technically they were lamps, but they resembled half moons and stars. Oh, how pretty. So he wanted to be able to look out there and see yeah. what it looked like at nighttime. So Jeff turned all the lights off in his room, and he fell asleep looking at that tent. He was awakened in the middle of the night and was startled by a glowing apparition of a woman dressed all in white. This female ghost turned the light on in the room and sat on the daybed where Jeff was. Now, Jeff apparently was one not to exaggerate, and he didn't believe in ghosts or anything, so this wasn't something that was his normal um, type of thing to see or talk about. But he told the story to Phil and Don the next morning. He said that the ghost vanished after a short time, so it wouldn't instantly. She sat there for a little bit and vanished. So, that's the best story they got. So I'm trying to think. Something borrowed, something blue, something used. I was going to say maybe she just wandered in the wedding somehow. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> something borrowed, something used, or whatever that is. I don't know. I don't know. I just made it up. But I'm that's guess, so cool, though. I'm going mean, to guess that's not the case. but No, it's probably not. All right, we're going to finish up with a haunted bookstore. Because why not? Why not? It's the Isaiah Thomas Book and Prince in Cotuit. I'm going to assume this is not the Isaiah Thomas who played in the NBA. <laughs> Probably not. Could be a relative. You never know. The owner, James Visbeck, said that tourists actually stopped by just to take pictures of the beautiful Italianate Victorian building. And it is a really pretty, pretty mm -hmm. building when you see it. He said they don't even come in sometimes. They just, they just stand stop. aside and take pictures. Mm -hmm. At one point, this building was a soft pink. I don't know if it still is, but it was painted a soft pink. The bookstore has one of the finest collections of used and rare books on Cape Cod. And of course, maybe a few ghosts as well. The building that is now a bookstore was built in the 1860s by a member of the Crockett family. The owner has a reproduction of an early photograph showing some of the Crockett family members sitting on a lawn in front of the house. He yeah, keeps that on display. Nice. Yeah. This house was originally a personal residence, but it was eventually transformed into a funeral home. It then became a woman's clothing store and then a real estate office before becoming a bookstore. At one time, the house was partitioned off and divided in half. So years ago, people would actually rent the house out for like summer vacations and stuff like that. One such woman came into the bookstore one afternoon and she told the owners about a time when she was a nursing student and she and a friend rented part of the house for a few weeks during one summer. She said her friend was doing some cleaning and suddenly fell down the narrow staircase, breaking her kneecap. Ow. When she asked her friend, what happened? How did you fall down the stairs? The friend said, I didn't fall down the stairs. I was pushed. That's what she gets for cleaning. <laughs> yeah. Just don't do it, folks. You never have to worry about breaking your knee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Well, Jim, the owner, had his share of bizarre incidents in the house as well. One instance stands out Remind to me him. to punch in your face later. <laughs> I just can't reach you right now. There's a large battery-operated clock that hangs on the wall behind his counter. On several occasions when he's been away for a period of time, the clock suddenly stops at the exact moment that he walks back through the door. And he said this completely blows him away. 
that it's working fine. And as soon as he walks through the door, it just stops. That's happened several times. That's crazy. And if it's keeping correct time, then you know it doesn't, Uh, it's not happening while you're gone. So, yeah. Jim has an apartment up on the second floor. He shares this apartment with a friend of his. His friend has said that sometimes there feels like there's another person in the room. And he's even seen depressions in the mattress as if someone's sitting there. Jim says that he remembers receiving an article that someone had written pertaining to a ghost in the house. He showed the article to his friend who he shares the apartment with. While he was reading the article, the TV mysteriously turned itself on as if the spirit was somehow trying to communicate. Been there, done that. (laughs) Jim believes that the spirit got quite angry one time. The night that they finally finished remodeling the upstairs, he heard a horrific noise at approximately 2 a.m. A row of glass bud vases had crashed to the floor. He was so disturbed that he said to the ghost, All right, listen, no more of this stuff. No more throwing things around. You can stay here, but stop it. Good for him. You gotta stand your ground. <laughs> Tell that ghost what up. He said the ghost must have listened because that was the last time anything like that ever happened. Now, I did say like that. There were other occurrences, though. The most memorable happened to Jim on the second floor. He was walking from his bedroom to the kitchen. That's when he saw a woman in white sitting on the sofa in the front room. He was so startled that he did a double take. He said the woman was not solid, but more of a transparent image. She vanished almost instantly. He thinks that the spirit might be one from the woman from the photo that we discussed earlier from all the family sitting on on the lawn in front of the house. He says because he has it on display, he sees it quite often, so she looked familiar. And when he looked at the picture again, he's almost positive that's who it was. There you go. So, anyway, there's your three stories from the Cape Cod. Cape Cod. (laughs) Sorry. Again. Again. (laughs) All right, we're going to take a really quick sponsor break, and then we'll be back to discuss some housekeeping. I'll give you a cruise update, which, spoiler alert, not much. And then... We'll listen to our uh, our two guests tonight. All right, Tracy, real quick. The live shows are, the we are selling more tickets to live shows than we have the previous three years. I know, isn't that wonderful? People are really excited about what we got going on. The jail in Lebanon, Indiana, that show that we're doing with uh, Middle Age and Creeped Out and Tragedy of Cinema, that's going to sell out pretty quick. Mm-hmm. I think there was only 40 tickets available and I think we've sold close to 20 already. So yeah. if you just sold some today. Yeah, actually. just sold some today. So like I said, there's only room for 40. If you want to get in on that, uh, I would suggest you get those tickets as quick as possible because that one will sell out. Yeah, it's going to be fun. We, we've only got 60 tickets available for the one that'll show in April 22nd with Cryptids of the Corn at Post Town Elementary. That is a very haunted place, guys. Very haunted place. It's every bit as haunted as Bobby Mackey's. So if you want to go to a place and you're in the uh, uh, Ohio area and you want to check another place out besides Bobby Mackey's, that's the one to go to. But there's only 60 seats available there. But you'll get a chance to walk around and all that stuff in there. It's a big place. And you'll get a chance to kind of walk around. And uh, hopefully we will talk to Daryl, who owns the place. Him and his wife live there in a school. Is that not the craziest thing ever? They made part of that place an apartment. It's amazing. But that's so cool, though. Good for them. And... I can't even begin to tell you. I think we've sold 20-some-odd tickets for the Gatlinburg show with uh, 
Tony, but all the tickets, the Buffalo, we've sold 11 or 12 tickets to. For considering those things are seven, eight, nine months away, that's pretty impressive. So you guys are awesome. Yes, thank you guys so much. We appreciate it. Can't wait to see you. And we're adding stuff to the new show. I just got a new projector that we're going to be bringing to shows and be able to and a projector screen, so we'll be able to show some stuff in between. I haven't exactly figured out what we're going to do with it, but we'll be able to at least show logos and maybe show some uh, live videos or, or stuff like that beforehand. Mm -hmm. So we'll, we'll have some fun with it. But. Heck yeah. All right, Tracy. What? Quit saying <laughs> this, my name. This cruise thing is dragging out. Look, I know last time we didn't set it up till February. I was hoping, though. Well, to maybe be... you're just too anxious and you need to slow your roll. Well, but I was told that we would have dates available for July in December. So that's what I've been banking stuff on. And they don't have the dates for July yet. They've got a, a couple, but not enough. But I'm working on it. And I think this week we may actually have the dates come out. So that's what I'm hoping for. They were supposed to be out last week. So we'll find out now. But but we're, we're hoping for dates. And then uh, we'll be able to go from there. But okay. a lot of different options this time. We're, we're looking at four days, five days, and six-day cruises. Mm -hmm. And we'll make a decision based on fairness of price and all that. Once we get it all figured out, we'll, we'll tell you guys. But that's what we're waiting on. Yeah. So, all right. You're impatient. I am impatient. I am impatient. Poo-poo head. People want to know about this cruise. It's a big deal. It's kind of a big deal. <laughs> what do you got going on over there? Well, this week for our iTunes, we have our lovely Mojo Lobster, Jason Bead, 007, Kay Cummins, Jen Springer, Till Dilio. <laughs> I Is couldn't wait Phil to Collins say song? that. <laughs> and NP Girl 64. Thank you guys so much for your wonderful reviews. It really made my day. Got a few more this week than we had last week, so I love it. Our Patreon this week is Mark, Catherine Spencer, and Emily Lee. Thank you guys for your support. You guys are amazeballs, and we just love you. Yes, amazeballs. <laughs> amazeballs is a good thing. It is. Okay. All right, so while we're on the subject Wouldn't you want to have amazing balls? Amazeballs? We're not going to talk about my balls in this show. Oh. Okay. Maybe on morning you'll be offended, but <laughs> not this show. Okay. All right. So we are at that point of our show. Who do I want to do first? Let's do, let's do Ghost first because I, I recorded his first. So that's how I choose stuff. We're going to do Ghost first, and you're going to learn about a fun podcast that you guys like. He's got some cool stories. And then we're not even going to come back on. I'm going to go straight from Ghost into Laos. But... This is, uh, you got two really good interviews tonight. And the only reason I'm doing two of them tonight instead of separating them is because Lyle's impatient and uh, he wanted to hear his episode really quick. That's why you guys get along so well. <laughs> the two impatient bros. <laughs> oh, we love you. Mm -hmm. All right, mm -hmm. let's listen to Ghost and Lyle. Hey guys, uh, this is different. Usually when we talk paranormal, want to do interviews, we talk about ghost. Uh, but tonight we're actually talking to a ghost. It's uh, actually the host of My Third Eye podcast and uh, co-host of uh, Bizarre Encounters. Welcome aboard, a uh, ghost. Well, thank you very much for uh, for giving me the uh, the time and and uh, platform to come on and and toss it up and uh, see what we get into tonight. So I had a chance to sit down with you and Shane from Bizarre Encounters uh, a few nights ago for for that podcast. 
Very fun time. Had a chance to learn about both of you guys. And we talked a little bit about your podcast, My Third Eye Podcast. And you do something similar to what we do. You've got, you know, that's the podcast. But then you have a couple of special episodes that you do uh, throughout the, your time on that to kind of, instead of starting a brand new podcast, you just give some some uh, different style shows within the show. Tell me about My Third Eye Podcast. If, if somebody out there listening has never heard it and you want to grab their attention by what the show consists of, how would you describe it? I would probably describe the podcast the way I would kind of describe how I, I got the inspiration to start it. I got sick of uh, looking into different conspiracies or natural health or cryptids or paranormal and not having anybody to talk to about it. Maybe one person here or there. So I was like, well, I'm going to start a podcast and I'm going to call it My Third Eye. And at first, everybody thought it was like a spiritual uh, type of uh, podcast until I had to explain to them, no, I'm opening my third eye to truth or what really could be out there. You know, at the end of the day, we never really know. And I just want to have guests on that will either educate me in certain degrees and educate my audience on on certain topics. You know, I've I've talked to ex-Satanic High Wizards, to Tommy Chong, to people that really promote some good natural health to paranormal uh, incidences with people. And, you know, even my family, I had my cousin on, uh, we uh, had a, had a nice run in with what we now later figured out was a, uh, was a skinwalker uh, when we were young and I was visiting him on his ranch in, uh, in Wyoming. And, you know, I've always had weird things going on. So I was like, well, why not start a podcast? And, bring all this weird shit that I have dived into or dove into and research and bring it to other people. But, you know, it, it's just a way for me to further educate myself and bring entertainment at the same time to an audience that, you know, it's not always going to be the same type of episode. You know, it's not always going to be like, okay, well now for October, I did all paranormal stories. You know what I mean? But, you know, one week it could be someone has an encounter with a skinwalker. Next week it could be, you know, we're looking into an old government conspiracy. So, you know, take your pick. But that, right, that's so, pretty much the just the main main show. So you, you, you glossed right over top of something that caught my attention. Did you say you've talked to Tommy Chong on the show? Yes, sir. Tell me how that happened. Um, I heard him on some other podcasts and through a little digging and a lot of digging and then a little bit more digging, I found his contact agent and which is his son. And thankfully, when you start podcasts, you get, uh, connected to other podcasters and they might have some, you know, a trail to, to find a, his info. And I just reached out and said, Hey, I'd love to have you on. Um, we can talk spirituality or whatever you want to talk, you know, cause I know that's what you're, you're into mainly these days. And he scheduled an hour interview and we actually went for an hour and a half. Cause at the hour mark, I, I said, Hey, you know, your, your, your publicist, you know, said you only got an hour and he's like, ah, that's my son. I, I can go longer. So it, <laughs> it was a fun, fun time. You know, we, we, we talked, uh, a little politics and we talked a little bit about, you know, some of the movies that he made. And, and when we got on that topic, I mean, he just went right into character. He's like, 
Steve's not here, man, or Dave's Dave's <laughs> not here, and uh, and totally explain the whole background to it, and 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 to me, it as a young fan, I'm 45, and I remember having to sneak and watch these movies as a kid. I was just like, I cannot believe I'm talking to Tommy Chong. Like I, I was floored, and it's it's one of my my probably my I don't know favorite bragging point uh at this point in in you know doing interviews with you know, guests on the on the show so it's funny i was watching uh uh hbo max last night and i was flipping around and and uh cheech and chong's up at smoke is one of the movies that they just recently put on so it's just it's, like it's y'all know I, I mean tommy uh you know cheech marin and tommy chong both they're 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 freaking awesome so that was uh when to hear that I, i'm i'm happy you got a chance to do that that was pretty awesome yeah, I, I work my tail off trying to get uh, unique guests on. Uh, sometimes it takes months. I'm working on getting a lady on that uh, was abducted and arti artificially impregnated, and then they took her babies. And like she has like the ultrasounds to prove it. She's been on some uh, documentaries and what have you. She finally got back. Like I sent her uh, a message probably four months ago. And she just replied to like two or three days ago. So I'm, we're kind of in the stages of hopefully getting that booked. And uh, hopefully I can have her on because her, her story, when I saw it on one of the documentaries that I watched, just flabbergasted me because to me, it's like that really could happen. You know, I've had guests on that have done 20 in bags and and then gave the contact info over to Shane so he could have them on because I knew Shane would would have a blast because Shane likes to get out there in those really fringe uh areas of thought which i like um i'm not as good at it as he is that that's his little his little niche for his show and, and he and he does does a good job at bringing alternate perspectives to things and and he he had a blast talking to to that guy that gentleman as well but hopefully it works out and i can get her on and and you know help share her story you know it's a judgment-free zone over here at my third eye just as just as it is a bizarre encounter so it's funny. I, I don't know how many times I've had somebody on uh, on the show, and I'll start off by saying this was a long time in the making of this. But but you, you've said it. Sometimes it takes you know months to even get a reply back from somebody, or, or you know mm -hmm. I don't I don't think I don't think the average listener realizes how much effort goes into some of these interviews, and some of them happen quick. So, I mean, I've reached out to people, and literally within two days we're doing an interview. So it, that doesn't yeah. happen very often. Uh, it happened like Amy Bernie is one that I've, I've had good success with on getting her on the show really quick and don't not having to go through a bunch of publicists and stuff because, you know, she's been on the show so I can talk directly to her. But some people, like you said, it's like pulling teeth just to even find out how to get a hold of, of somebody who even knows how to get a hold of them. Yeah. Yeah. I'm still working on, on Cheech Marin, by the way, <laughs> I, I hit so many dead ends where I think I have, you know, his, his uh, uh, booker or whatever you want to call them and they're like no you're gonna to have to try try this email and i try and i never get a response or you know and it's just like man i just want to have that back to back i had Ch tommy chong on i want to have cheech marin on you know what i mean well, tom tommy chong couldn't hook you up with a phone number or something come on <laughs> i tried and he wouldn't so <laughs> <laughs> all right so let's let's talk about this i mean well i want to i want to touch back on uh some other stuff with with my third eye 
would you say, would you describe your podcast as somewhat of a, as a conspiracy podcast? Yes. Heavily more, I would say on conspiracies, but conspiracies that you can actually openly research if you do a little digging and form your own opinions to be like, maybe this isn't really as much a conspiracy as it is, you know, like people in conspiracies, you know, everybody hears operation paperclip uh you say that to people now and they're just like well what's that and i was like well that's when you know we brought all the nazi scientists over and created nasa and you know it, that's a whole lie and then eugenics sprang out of that and a whole bunch of mk ultra stuff and you know the rabbit hole goes deep and they just look at you like you have five heads and you you were <laughs> like what and the, the documentation's out there just go look all you have to do is read you know I, i've done you know, the reading and there's other people out there that have really done extensive research in certain areas of conspiracies to, you know, maybe shed a little different light on, on history. I had uh, a gentleman on that, that shed a di really different light on the JFK assassination to the point where everything that, and, and he researched it for 10 years and coming, he went at it as a, uh, a former uh, law enforcement detective. So he used a, a police style, detect you know detective work to look into who really killed jfk and i i had my my buddy ryan dean on that uh yeah to do the episode with and we were we were our, our jaws were on the floor pretty much the whole time we were just like wow this is crazy but yeah so it it, it it's fun but then you know i gotta break it up a little bit and it can't always be dark and gloom and you know everything right. conspiracy so they always say you, you stare at the abyss, the abyss stares back at you sometimes. And you just got to gotta look to to lighten the mood a little bit. And, you know, that's when I bring in cryptids, natural he healing and, you know, whatever. Maybe sometimes just a, hey, you want to come on and have a conversation? And next thing you know, three and a half hours goes by and we recorded a really great episode. So it's funny because, you know, we've done more of these interviews than I know how to even begin to count. And I think you are the first host I've had on of a podcast that leans more conspiracy. I've had some that occasionally will cover one, but yours is a, is a lot more heavily rooted in conspiracy. But at the same time here uh, next week, I'm actually interviewing Richard Sirrett and, you know, from nice. strange planet. And that's a hundred percent what he's into. So, I mean, you yeah. know, it's, it's funny that it's taken us, you know, almost six and a half years and, and the two, most heavily uh, um, conspiracy theorist type podcast are, are literally going to be within five or six days of each other. It's just kind of odd. And it, and it was just coincidence that it worked out like that. That's awesome. Yeah. I love listening to his show uh, and, and everything because he brings on some great, great guests and, and topics. And sometimes you're, you're, you're just left like, did I, okay. I, did someone just fornicate with my mind because I, 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 I I'm, I'm lost. I have to re-listen to this again and make sure I'm, I'm, I'm hearing exactly right what I'm hearing. And you know, you, you, your, your jaws left dropped and you're like, wow, that was really good episode. Yeah. We're actually going, he's uh, he's interviewing me for his show uh, next week or actually Wednesday. I think it's this week, a couple of days from now. Nice. And then I'm, then I'm interviewing him uh the next night for for my show so it'll be fun yeah we've we've been playing a couple of his uh promos on our show 
in the last uh, three, four, five days. But yeah, I'm, I'm excited about it. He's uh, Richard's a big name out there, and it's a it's a big deal to us. So I'm I'm excited about it. Yeah, you did say congratulations. You did say well, thank you. You did say you like to break it up. Can't do gloom and doom all the time. Uh, so tell me about some of the other uh, specials that you run. Some of the other episodes that you run under the My Third Eye uh, RSS feed. Under that, every Tuesday, I release, uh, along with my my really good friend, Ryan Dean, he, over at the Dangerous World Podcast, uh, I started out and reached out to him after you know doing this for a little bit. And I was like, I want to do another episode a week. I already had uh, Talk at the Tavern going, which I, I started maybe, I don't know, maybe a few months after I started the podcast. And we can get into that in a minute. But um, it, it started out conspiracy in the news. And all we were doing was taking clips that we would find on the internet, you know, through the week and we'd play some clips, come at it from a conspiratorial mindset, you know, is Joe Biden a robot type stuff? You know what I mean? Just bizarre stuff, (laughs) whatever's out there, you know, and someone had posted on Instagram, one of our friends and I went to, I I commented, yeah, we, we covered this and I went to put CI, uh, TN, uh, short for conspiracy in the news. And it came somehow it auto-corrected to C-U-N-T on Instagram. And I was just <laughs> like, wait, what? And Ryan reached out. He's like, dude, that was hilarious because everybody started laughing. He's like, we have let's change the name and do a play off that. And we were like, okay. And we we sat there and we brainstormed for it seemed like forever, but it was like a few days. And we came up with the conspiracy underground news team. And people loved it. They were like, wow, we love this. We love to play on the word cunt and this and that. And and we end every episode. See you next Tuesday, because that's the biggest uh, acronym right. out there for 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 that. And we just we we just have fun with a lot of play on that. Uh, we introduce each other as left and right lip, you know, just being goofy. <laughs> have a lot. Of, believe believe me or not, there's a lot of uh listeners over in the uk female listeners that love it they're like i want that i want your logo on a handbag so i can walk around with a cunt logo on and we're like well we're we're working on it you know give give us a chance you know we we weren't expecting it to uh be as popular as it was because we both weren't taking it serious at first and now we do more we have people give us voicemails over instagram or email us and in, in hopes to eventually if we get enough listener support, we're going to do a uh, like a, a live show with a call in so we can, you know, get the audience involved more. And it's just a fun time. And I, I never thought it would have spawned off a, a stupid autocorrect comment that that I posted on a friend's uh, Instagram post. Yeah, it's it's funny, but that word is a big no, no here in the United States. But it gets used. Yes. It gets, it's used really, really fairly often in the uh in england and in uh australia those mm-hmm. it's like a a common word as much as as we would use uh you know something you know crap here or something that gets thrown around a lot over there it's just not looked at the same way as it is here so no and that's why when we started getting female response back that we love the name we love what you're doing we love that you're making kind of a joke out of it but at the same time bringing some serious topics and you know, just challenging everybody's thought because a lot of the times with the questions that we get, we don't, I personally don't. And I know Ryan doesn't cause he, he, he's busier than I am half the time, 
but we don't hear the question until we play it as we sit down to record. So it's right off the cuff of our head. That's our initial thought, what we think, you know, what the listener is, you know, questioning us to look into. And, you know, and sometimes we get good ones to where we eventually plan on doing like a full episode on certain things. So all around fun show. We just two guys sitting back, having fun, laughing at the world, I guess. Now, what's the other episode that you do? Uh, Talk at the Tavern. And I recently revamped that as of this week. I used to release that on Mondays. I'm now releasing that on Fridays because I was sitting there thinking it's a tavern. What do people do usually Friday or Saturday in America or around the world? They go out and have a few drinks at the the tavern. So if they're at work, you know, kind of pump you up. You know, it's a whole bunch, uh, usually five or six other, you know, me and four or five other people every Friday, mainly podcasters get around, have a few drinks, just talk about whatever the topic of the week might've been or whatever, whoever's looking into something. And it was kind of a, a spinoff. Um, I was inspired by a show called Monday night master debaters. And I wanted to do a round weekly round table, uh, kind of like that, but not as serious. And talk of the tavern was kind of me being a patriot, throwing it back to the green dragon and our founding fathers sitting around. What did people do when tyranny was at the doorstep or whatever, you know, hard times they, they, they got together in their local taverns and talked. And I was like, well, let's do that. We're not trying to take over the world, but let's bring up some topics. And it was also a way for me to give back and get other podcasters connected to other podcasters to maybe share resources, you know, contacts, uh, for guests or just go on each other's show and, and help, you know, grow each other. And it, it, it's a fun time when we first started it, it was, uh, we, everybody now calls it like the original people that, uh, were always on it, call it the, uh, wild, wild west. Back when the tavern was the wild, wild west, I'd send out probably 20 email invitations and whoever showed up, showed up. And sometimes there'd be 20 people in the chat. Sometimes there'd be 10, nine, five, it didn't matter. And we would start at seven 30 on the East coast. And sometimes we wouldn't wrap up to like one 30 in the morning. And we were, we were pulling like four or five, one episode went six hours. And I was just like, holy cow. Now I've revamped that down, kind of keep it to two to maybe three hours. Uh, but all, all first hour, well, except for cunt, cunt's completely free. Um, but first hour of my third eye and first hour of talk at the tavern, I released, uh, during the week, my third eye is Wednesday. Talk at the tavern is going to be Fridays now, um, cunt's Tuesday, but the first free hour. I release everything and everything else is on uh, my Patreon at patreon.com forward slash my third eye podcast. And I only have a three and a $5 tier. I don't ask for much. $3 gets you the full version of, you know, the regular weekly, my third eye and $5 gets you everything else, including all the videos. So it's just a fun little thing. I I don't know. I just get bored and I'm like, I need to do another episode. So, and I'm kind of craving that now. I'm like, all right, I co-host with Shane. I do my weekly episode, then I do uh, conspiracy underground news team, and then I do talk at the tavern. And now I'm like, I need one more to fill somewhere. So I don't know. We'll see what what comes out of this small mind of mine. You know, it's funny that that 
the acronym turns out like that because we also have some friends that do a podcast, the Totally Weird and Twisted podcast, which I don't have to spell that out for you, I don't think, but uh, you know, kind of kind of reminds me of the the same situation. Tell me about uh, Bizarre Encounters. Well, that started out of, uh, I think I had Shane as a guest on my show. And he's like, hey, it, I think it was the following week. You want to come on my show? And I was like, yeah. And we started talking and we realized we we got on like di- different topics of cryptids and, and just weird UFO encounters and this and that. And I'm sitting there and I'm kind of looking at him and he's looking at me while we're recording. There's just like this light bulb that you kind of see went off in each other's head. And we wrapped up and I was like, would you like to start a podcast together? And he, he almost said the same thing at the same exact time. And he's like, yeah, I was like, we'll cover like aliens, cryptids, just people who might have been abducted, you know, whatever. And bizarre. He came up with tossed it around bizarre encounters, what we settled on. And now he runs, I would say, 95 to 98% of bizarre encounters he's just that shane is like the most organized kid i've ever met in in my life and you know he gets the guests he makes sure you know everything's set up he runs the social media now i do have access to it and i you know i chime in here and there but it just started that and he's gotten us good guests we do some deep dives here and there and i go into it completely blind like especially if we have a guest i'm just like just tell me the name where they might be from if they're an author or such as yourself you know podcaster and this and that and he and that's all he'll give me and then we'll start rolling with the conversation and then next thing i know it is i'm digging it because it's just like oh okay the free organic kind of style of of uh an interview and that i don't you know I run my own podcast that way. I don't go in with any questions ever other than maybe something I might've heard and and say, Oh yeah. If I remember to ask this person that I, I will, but it's usually just right off the, the top of my head. And I think our dynamic is, is pretty darn good. And, and we've been having fun with it so far. We're on, I think, I think week 18. So it's, we, we only started that one back in September, I believe. So. Well, I, I want to end I want to end on this. You mentioned earlier that uh, I think it was you and your cousin had a possible encounter with a skinwalker. Mm-hmm. Share that story with us. So we were, I was out visiting uh, my dad's side of the family uh, when I was, I think 15 or 16, 15 going on 16, somewhere in there. And for, I don't know, I think a week I went up and visited with my aunt, which is my, dad's sister and my cousin's mom well they were working a thousand acre ranch at the time and you know we had four wheelers so we were doing kids things playing on the floor four wheelers they had irrigation ditches we'd go swimming there's a big creek out back we'd go splash around in that do whatever and uh the one night we set up a tent in the one lower pasture down by by the creek and we were just camping out had you know two little kids having campfire doing whatever you know roasting some hot dogs, marshmallows, and it was time to go to bed. So we, we went into the tent, got in our, uh, sleeping bags. And it wasn't long after that. We, we thought we heard like a stampede of horses and which is weird because they, they didn't have 
horses. You know what I mean? They had a horse that was in the in the barn, but it was Barnsour. Like they didn't they didn't have free roaming uh, horses out out to pasture. So he unzipped the tent, and we're looking out, and we see these horses. But one was like glowing, and it was like a white horse, and it just had like a glow to it. And it kind of freaked us out. So we were like, oh, man, let's get out of here. We hopped on the four-wheeler and we we drove up to the bunkhouse. And we were like, okay, we'll just sleep in the bunkhouse for the night. You know, it's where, you know, hired hands or whatever for the summer would come and stay. And we're laying there and we're chit-chatting or whatever. And all of a sudden his eyes get big and he's like, do you see that? And I rolled over and standing in the doorway was, I guess, a hat man or a shadow figure. He was in all black wearing a like an old duster and a cowboy hat kind of tilted down kind of like the old marlboro man image and we were it freaked us out and we just chalked it up to okay we saw this weird paranormal horse and the shadow figure scared us we went into the house didn't really ever go back into that bunkhouse after that and come to find out after talking with some other people and uh some some native americans it, it they brought it to my my attention this was only a few weeks ago and they're like, yeah, I don't think you had an encounter with, with a hat man or a paranormal horse. I think you had an encounter with a skinwalker. They are shapeshifters. And I was like, well, people don't normally quote unquote survive or, or, or whatever. And he's like, do you see shadow movement out of, out of your eyes? I'm like, yeah, pretty much all the time. Not like on a daily, but pretty regularly. And he's like, yeah, it's still, it's still attached or hanging around you somehow. And it just sent goosebumps down my, my spine. I ended up calling my cousin explaining what was just explained to me. And he's just like, whoa, dude. And he's like, cause where they live in Wyoming is only maybe a half a day trip to uh, Utah where skinwalkers are really prevalent out there. And it was just one of those things. And it's like, well, that might explain all the paranormal activity that's come through my life and, and seeing apparitions and, and all sorts of different stuff. So it was, it was a crazy, crazy adventure. And I had forgotten about that until I had him on the show. And I guess it, I, it had scared me to the point where I blocked it out until he, he brought it up and I was like, oh shit. Yes. I forgot about that. And he forgot about me seeing his mom play with a Ouija board and the thing moving and she wasn't even touching it and that freaked him out to the point where he forgot about that until i brought it up he's like oh yes she would sit there with it on her lap and the thing would just spin i'm like yeah and i mean she doesn't play with it anymore i guess it it freaked her out and what have you and you know realized it was probably dark energies that she was channeling and and didn't want any part of that but yeah it was it was a crazy time it was a fun summer but you know i got some lifelong uh, uh memories out of it that's for sure I was going to say, that's great. You have a podcast guest on them. By the time it's through, you're both mentally disturbed from uh, stuff you yeah. blocked out when you were kids. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But crazy Ghost, stuff. Ghost, it's been an absolute blast having you on. Tell everybody how they can uh, keep up with you on social media and how they can find your shows. Social media. The best way to get a hold of me is on Instagram at my third eye podcast. Um, that's the main hangout for me. I do have a telegram. I'm not as active as I used to be. I used to really love telegram, but you get busy and you got to slim down the, the lines of, uh, uh, social media and what have you and kind of streamline your stuff. Uh, but you can find my podcast anywhere you listen to a podcast, uh, Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, you name it. My third eyes there. Uh, if you want to support the show and, 
any any type of way. I have a three and five dollar tier, like I said before, patreon.com forward slash my third eye podcast. And my email is my third iPod at gmail.com if you want to be a guest or just have a, a, a unique story that you want to get out and you know someone to talk to, hit me up there or on IG, send me a direct message. So that's pretty much it. I'm pretty easy to get a hold of. Awesome. Well, like I said, thank you. It's been a blast. I'm looking forward to talking to you in the future. Yes, thank you. Hey guys, I'm I'm uh, really excited about this one today because I get to have on an old friend of mine, Lyle Janes. Lyle was a, a comedian uh, from Louisville, Kentucky when I first got into business, damn, almost 20 years ago now. Lyle was uh, one of the people who really helped me out and kind of showed me the ropes and we did uh, a bunch of shows together. And uh, he is a unique individual, to say the, the least, had an act that I absolutely loved. He had his own uh, television show, cable access television show in Louisville for 20 years, basically. And uh, I can't say enough good things about Lyle. He's a, He's been a great friend over the years. Lyle, thanks for coming on, buddy. Well, thank you, Jerry, for having me. And I'm so excited about your uh, Hillbilly uh, Horror Stories because I've heard a lot of good things about him. Well, you know the the funny thing you about you, Lyle. I can I can always <laughs> say this. You are you are not the most technical savvy guy, even for somebody who had been on cable access TV for all those years and knew the ins and outs of that. I thought I was going to have to walk you through every step of just downloading Zoom and how to get on and explain <laughs> podcasts to you. It's obvious you've never listened to a podcast in your life because you were like, "Well, how does this work? How do people see this?" And so I, I lo- absolutely love that about you. Yeah. Well, you know, I've become a recluse in the last several years. I was just working to come home. I, I never go anywhere anymore. So people wonder what happened to me, but I'm still kicking. So you, you were doing comedy. Tell me a little bit about this. Now, you've got ghost stories to tell. So we're going to talk about that for anybody listening. We're going to get to that. Uh, but okay. I, I, I want people to know a little bit about Lyle. So let's let's talk a little bit about comedy and your television show i've been on your television show two or three times yeah and uh and i was very happy to do that you got me hooked up and i almost had my own cable access show before it got nixed before i even got started but that was all thanks to you not the nixon part the actually (laughs) having an opportunity to begin with but tell me how you got into comedy and the television show which came first how did they correspond with each other well, um, I started out as a doorman at the Comedy Caravan, and um, that's where I met Big John Richardson, God rest his soul, and uh, and uh, so many other young and up-and-coming comedians, and I got to see all these first-rate acts who would travel on the road to come in and do do shows, and uh, so I would watch them, and I thought, gosh, you know, I want I, I could probably do something like that, maybe work on my act. And uh, so they had something that was really big back in the day, and there would be 25, 30 people on the show, show up and go up. <laughs> so, and you were guaranteed three minutes. And uh, <clears throat> I'll never forget my first time I was going to go on stage, and uh, Brent Soule, who was the... Uh, technical guy said okay you got three minutes just uh just uh, get up there and you do whatever you want to do but just uh, don't forget the shock factor and then he start to walk away and i'm like 
uh, okay, what's the shock factor? (laughs) He said, said, well, that's like if you get up there and you say, you know, a dirty word several times over and over and over. He said, it gets old fast. I said, oh. So um, that was my first lesson right there. So because I used to do, it was pretty clean, but every once in a while I would come out with a a blue word, but um, I I learned uh, as time went on not to be so dirty because you got booked more if you were a clean comic, (laughs) as you well know. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, oh, and so in the early days when I wanted to start doing my show, I was laying in bed uh, one night, I was watching these crazy shows on cable and I said, God, I bet I could do that. So I called down there and I said, how do you get a cable show? And so Becky, who happened to be the person who ran it at the time said, well, you have to get on a waiting list and to do a background check and all this bunch of bull. I did that and then I forgot all about it. So almost a year later, she calls out of the blue, said, well, are you ready to do your show? And I was like, yeah. So it happened to be Christmas time. So I didn't know what to do. So I, I grabbed a friend of mine who I used to do hair with. Her name was Barbara. My first show was, I had this red jacket on. And I looked like a used car salesman. And I got out there and I thought I was being clever with these cue cards. And I, I had them all rolled out, but it looked like I was reading it when I watched it later on. So I learned just to ad lib. It was much better to do it that way than have cue cards. So. <laughs> And that's how my show was born. But I had a lot of interesting people on over the years. I had people like uh, uh, Heather French Henry, who was uh, Miss uh, Kentucky and Miss America, and uh, and uh, Hurricane Summers, who is a uh, notorious drag queen here in Louisville, <laughs> and uh, comics, and um, Big John Richardson was on a couple times, and of course you were on several times, and uh, and we used to do little skits, too, in the early days. I tried to make it like a Johnny Carson. I had the backdrop of Louisville, and uh, you know, it was, it was fun. I had a blast. I mean, for what it was, you got a, a lot of uh, acclaim. I mean, you, you got a lot of mention in some of the, the local magazines and stuff like that, so I mean, you built a good yeah. reputation. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I I loved it. But, you know, um, apparently a spectrum uh, in their other uh, areas, markets, they did not have cable access because it was a dying thing. Most of my people uh, who watched were either uh, housebound, hospital, nursing homes. Um, Most young people were out and about doing stuff. So, you know. But I, I thought about doing a, a show again. We've we've been talking about it, and uh, I'm actually thinking of doing a comedy show here uh, in the near future. Of course, I haven't been on stage for probably ten years, but I'm I'm think I'm going to give it a whirl. That's so hard to believe. As as much <laughs> as we got on stage, that neither one of us have really been on stage in the last part of the nine or ten years. Yeah, well, it went by so fast. You know, I kind of lost my nerve uh, a little bit after my my mother died. Um, and I I did one show, and I I wound up at the very end breaking down on stage and crying. And I I didn't think that 
I could uh, go back on again, but I've been done a couple shows here and there, and I've gotten better. But I don't know. I just I got stage fright. Isn't that funny? It is funny. It's it just goes to shows that doesn't matter what per what uh, profession you're in, you can get mental blocks sometimes that just for to the outsiders would make no sense as to how that could happen. Right. <laughs> well, you know, um, I was a I've been a hairdresser for thirty plus years, and then uh, after my mom died, I got into the funeral business. I was in the funeral business for over twelve years. I just recently retired, and uh, so. I'm already bored. I've got to, <laughs> got to find something else to do. So I'm thinking about going back and doing hair maybe part-time. And I like your backdrop there. Is that your studio that I see? Yeah, that's part of it. That's part of it. There's, uh, there's tons more, obviously. Every, every inch of these walls pretty much is filled up with something. But So let's, let's segue now. You brought up, you got up into the uh, funeral business. Tell yeah. me a little bit as a dog goes ballistic in the background, as always happens when I record. But <laughs> <laughs> tell you actually have a ghost story that involves the the funeral industry. So go ahead and yeah. tell me uh, your experience. Well, <clears throat> I can't say the name of the funeral home, but I was uh, working this one visitation one night, and a gentleman that I've known for years used to live upstairs and he told me about these ghosts well I didn't believe him so and then the manager there she she said she had seen things and she even showed me her cell phone that she had captured the waist of somebody from the waist down and I had to show this fog light coming around them and uh, I I was just shocked when I saw that so one night I was doing this visitation and it was over about eight o'clock. So I was, I went around and was locking all the doors. The family had left and I started from one end of the funeral home, went all the way around to the other and got them all locked. And then I was coming up the hallway and there at the far end, uh, close to the chapel was this old man and he was sitting in the wingback chair. And I was like, where in the world did he come from? So I went in the office and waited a few minutes, and then I came back out, and he was gone. So I thought, well, he must have gone into the visitation room. So I went in there, not a soul in there. I thought, well, he must have went out. So I went to check the doors of the way he would have gone out, and they were locked, and there was no way he could have gone out and, and then locked it from the outside. So I checked the chapel doors. I checked every single door in that funeral home, and they were all locked, and he was nowhere to be found. And that was the weirdest thing. So I I saw the ghost, but I didn't. I couldn't believe that I saw. And they seem to think it's it was somebody that used to work there. Is what uh, their assumption is. But it was. <laughs> It was kind of scary, so that was my big story. So, <laughs> and I'm so let me it. let me ask you this: so obviously they, they think that it might be somebody that worked there. Are they basing this off of pictures of this person and compared to what people have seen, or are they just trying to make an assumption? They well, they were. Uh, there are pictures of the uh, former owner and his grandparents both. 
on the wall, their wedding pictures. And yeah, they seem to think it's the grandfather of, because uh, it was like third generation of funeral directors. And they, they seem to think it was that man. And he was uh, definitely in a dark blue or black suit. I couldn't tell. It was so far up the hallway when I saw him sitting in that, I thought, where in the world did he come from? Because everybody already walked out the other doors. I was like, it was crazy. So before this, what were your thoughts on ghosts and appearances? Is that, was that something just in general that you, not so much that place being haunted, but was that something that you believed in before this? Or was this uh, like an eye-opening moment for you? Well, uh, years before that, I went with uh, a couple friends of mine. We went to Waverly Hills, and this was during the summer. This is before I got in the funeral business. And, of course, uh, that was a tuberculosis hospital. And, um, you know, they seemed to think 60-some-odd thousand people died there over the years with a horrible disease. And uh, we went in August. It was hot. And I definitely had a feeling that we were being watched. It was a weird feeling, especially when we went down the death tunnel. I just kept feeling like there was somebody behind us. I was the last one. And you couldn't see the end of uh, down below. (laughs) And we had all had flashlights. And I just had a feeling we were being watched. It was so weird. There was a definite uh, presence there that I had never felt for my life. Um, have you ever been there? Yeah, several times. I've spent the night at Waverly and we went uh, with the with the Hillbilly Horror Stories. We've done some live events in Louisville and we've taken uh, probably four or five tours at Waverly just uh, just off the, after those live events. So it was tied together and may do it again here in April. We have another event. And we're talking about trying to we scheduled it for early enough in the day. So it's like a one to 5 PM show. So we could all take tours at Waverly afterwards. So might be something wow. we have to get you involved with. Well, my uh, dad told me about his aunt. Her name was uh, aunt Rena. It would have been my great aunt, but she, she apparently died there of uh, tuberculosis and they went to see her. But he couldn't go in because he was a kid. So he just stood out there and she came to the balcony and waved at him. But, you know, um, yeah, that was so horrible. Of course, that was before antibiotics, you know, when yeah, all that was, went on. Yeah, because it changed back in the late 40s, early 50s to a nursing home uh, after the, the cure had pretty much been taken care of and there was no need mm-hmm. for it. And then I think for a short time after that closed, it was an insane asylum for maybe awesome. a couple years. That's what I heard. Well, you hear but a lot of way. things. That's that's how that's how good folklore gets started, Lyle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it made a believer out of me. <laughs> so uh, let me let me ask you this. I, I've got a lot of friends in the funeral industry, and. Most of them have crazy stories, not necessarily paranormal, but just like this is the strangest thing that I've ever seen, or I, it just caught me off guard. Do you have any stories like that without being without mentioning names or anything? Do you have any instances in your twelve years in the funeral industry that was like, oh, that was kind of unique? Well, <laughs> one time I was helping with this funeral, and this, uh, so we went up to the casket and 
the daughter was standing there and her minister. And she she didn't want the casket open or anything. So the minister and had flyers on, on the top. So she said, would you say a prayer for me? And so the minister started praying and all of a sudden you heard a big thump in the casket and the casket rocked. She said, she said, keep going. You're doing good. <laughs> I guess it was an auto reflex or something with his leg kicked or something. I don't know, but it, <laughs> you had to have been there to see it, to see the, the casket rock and those flowers. Oh, and she, she got tickled, started laughing, but you know, it's, Things like that that kind of help, you know, because it, it is a rough time for families and things. You oh. know, it's 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 odd. Uh, I'm going to say this, and it's it shouldn't be because uh, I've known plenty of people in the funeral business. I think when people think the funeral business, they automatically think about the the 80 year old guy in the suit that's all solemn, you know, that's because that's a, but there are people, you know, we, our, our good friend, Ashley, her family runs a, a more, uh, a funeral business down in uh, Houston, Texas. And she's absolutely gorgeous. She's not the type of person you think would be running to pick up bodies. And I mean, you're a comedian <laughs> and, and, you know, you've got this great personality. You're, you're not the type of people I think about when I think the funeral business, cause I've got that stereotype in my head. Right. And, uh, so I can well, imagine you would benefit a lot of people with your sense of humor in yes. their time of need. Well, I used to drive limos and hearses, and uh, you know, of course, I had to move a lot of caskets around and uh, and a bunch of flyers, and then of course, people would bring food and stuff, and uh, but you know, uh, I've seen some pretty sad funerals, but. Of course, they all are sad, but uh, right. I guess the saddest one was this lady who owned, uh, used to own the property at Jefferson Mall. When she died, she never married, didn't have any kids, and I happened to be at that funeral, and only like three or four people came. It was so sad, and she was a multimillionaire. It was <laughs> so <laughs> having money is not always the the thing, you know. So. No, that's true. What was the yeah. weirdest? Not weirdest. Let me let me put that a different way. What was the most unique funeral that you you'd seen? What what happened in the most unique? Something that was just you know oh, out, of, out of the ordinary. Lady, yeah, this this last fall, this uh, lady um, passed away, and she loved Halloween. Well, she was laid out in a witch outfit. And had her little witch hat on, and she had all she had her kids bring all her Halloween stuff in skeletons, and there was a uh, some big lurch standing there with holding a candy thing out <laughs> when you first oh, walked I, into the. I, I know what you're talking about, like a butler type thing that looks like yeah, lurch, butler, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was standing in there at the door, and uh, and they had uh, oh, she had black roses on the casket. Uh, and I guess they they must take them and spray paint them or something black. But yeah, she had black roses and she was dressed up in her little Halloween outfit and stuff. And I mean, it 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 helped the family that you, because it was you know it's always hard. But 
she was uh, she had what she wanted. And then there was one fella who passed away, and he he was big into motorcycles. So they brought his motorcycle into the visitation room and had all his paraphernalia that went with it and stuff. And I mean, it it should be about. And we had another one who was an artist and had all her her portraits and stuff in there. They're beautiful. She was a wonderful uh, artist. So I mean, it should be uh, it, it should be a very personal thing, you know, when your visitation. Well, I don't know if you know this or not. Well, I know you don't know this because I haven't told you, but I'll tell you since that's what we're talking about. I'm actually performing my own funeral. Uh, oh God. I, I have, I have, I don't want my funeral to be sad. I have taken uh, video opportunities to set and record myself. And for, and for me, it's going to be a tribute to my loved ones. So there's going to be a television. And instead of having a, a minister or, or speakers, it's just going to be a television with me doing what I do and, and thanking people and playing some music that I like that corresponds with the person and or, or the people and uh when it's all said and done we're gonna play uh the brady bunch song uh sunshine day because there's no way you can listen to that song and be sad and that's how we're gonna end my funeral but yeah i'm, I'm gonna fully preach my entire funeral so nobody else has to have that responsibility and i'm gonna make sure that it's fun well i think that's cool that's good so, yeah. i haven't I haven't decided what I want yet, but I, I'm still paying on my graves. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, Hopefully I won't need them anytime soon. Right. right. Hope you probably put it on like a 30 year plan figured. Well, you know, I got 30 <laughs> years. So, <laughs> What was it like the old uh, Andy Youngman joke that said uh, the doctor told me I only got six months to live. And I said, well, I'll never be able to pay you in six months. So he gave me another six months. <laughs> <laughs> Oh God! So, well, Lyle, it's been a blast having you on, brother. We got to catch up and do lunch or something sometime. Absolutely. You still in Lexington? I am, but we're in, Louisville. we're in Louisville all the time. My dad still lives there, and we we come up for a bunch. Of, matter of fact, we're coming up next Saturday for a concert. So, oh, cool, cool. So, well, yeah. it sure was good talking with you and seeing you. And this this is cool. Zoom, zoom, zoom. <laughs> Yeah, oh my goodness. Now you're gonna now you're gonna be like a a, a monster I created with this thing. You'll be trying to zoom everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I told Tracy this morning, I said I, I said uh, I'm supposed to interview loud today at three. I said, I'm sure that's not gonna go smooth trying to get him connected to Zoom. I'm sure there'll be issues. <laughs> and there was. <laughs> <laughs> well, I well, love tell Tracy, I said, I, hey, and and it was sure good. And thank you so much for having me on your show. It's the least I could do. I've been on your show a couple of times. Keep up the good work. I appreciate it, brother. We'll call you. We'll we'll send you a message next time we're heading to town. Maybe we can set up lunch or something. Okay, cool. All right, brother. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Jerry. All right, guys, that wraps it up for us this week. Like I said, I, I knew you guys would enjoy ghosts and I'm sure you enjoyed Lyle. We, uh, We've had such a good time doing these interviews. We, we're truly blessed to be able to talk to so many cool people. Isn't that the truth? Even though you do most of the talking. That's true. I'll jump, well, I'll poke my head and say hey every now and then. <laughs> <laughs> that you do. 
So, yeah, I've, and we've got so, a bunch of other good stuff coming for you guys, man. I've got an awesome uh, interview with Richard Serrett that's uh, from Strange Planet that's coming up soon. Uh, Catherine, I almost said her name, uh, Kat. Cat <laughs> oh. came on to talk to us. She is a, a, a Satanist, mm-hmm. witch, and she came on to talk to us about that and her religion. And uh, so that'll be coming up soon. Tomorrow, there is, if you're listening to this night, tomorrow on Monday, I've got uh, Andy Beatty, who has been through a lot. This is a Motivational Monday type episode where we basically talk about his struggle with depression and uh, how he's overcome what looked like a very bleak uh, time of his life and uh, possibly going to commit suicide to just changing things around so quick it'll make your head spin. And I thought it was important for you guys to hear how he was able to do this. So yeah, we're if, so proud yeah. of you, Andy. So can't there's so much good stuff coming from you guys. So because you know why? Because you're, awesome. you're all the best. So, too bad I can't play "Simply the Best" by Tina Turner. Simply on here. the best. Did she die or not? No, she did not die. That was a rumor. Oh. There's rumor floating floating around the other day on Facebook. I know. Or I hope not. She's like like the most awesome in this lady. You no, know, she had a stroke like back in 2013 or something. Oh no, I did not know that. Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, um, we do love you guys, and we just want to say that we appreciate y'all hanging with us. It means a lot, and I want y'all to have the best week ever. Have a blessed week, and we love you. And who day? No. <laughs> who day? <Bye. laughs>